Like no one cares. Like really no one cares if you fail. Like if you start a business, if you tell all your friends and then two years later or less, you like close down shop, your friends will be like, oh, okay. And then it's over. Like if they're good friends, they're not going to like put that on you for life. Like, oh, remember five years ago when you started a business and failed? Like if you have friends like that, like you need to leave those friends. friends. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it just comes down to this idea that like, I would way rather be the person who goes big and fails big than the person who just walks this like tiny little line through life, never having the courage to just try it. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and I'm coming to you from the corner of my bedroom because we still have drama at my brand new house. If you're making it to any of my keynotes, you will hear the story as my opening story. Otherwise, I'm just going to hold this information just a little bit before um, I talk publicly about the craziness that I've been through with my brand new house. But all that aside, today we don't really have any announcements. We are still in our peak season. So I appreciate those of you who have patiently waited as we've skipped a couple weeks of the podcast. You know that I only do that when I just really need to commit the time to our our paying customers. Not that I don't love you, our audience, but you know we've got to take care of our customers first. And um, with traveling in the busiest season of the year, that new year, like let's get it all done now season, it's just what it is. So thank you for that. Today, though, I am really excited, um, like really excited. I know I say this about every guest, like I'm so excited, but I just feel like this person is the younger version of me. I feel like we share a lot of similarities in terms of our life philosophies, but also the importance of what it is she does. That's uh, definitely the foundation at the core. I am a writer. That is the core of what my career has been. But then, of course, it's evolved into a variety of things. But that's really what pushed me in the direction that I ended up taking. So let me tell you about Lucy Badawi. So Lucy is the copywriter behind the brand, My Right Hand Woman, spelled W-R-I-T-E-C. Even she's clever with her name, My Right Hand Woman. She specializes in writing personality-packed copy that converts for women-run businesses. So likely you, if you're listening, um, we know we have our bombshell boys and everybody at corporate in between, but this is, you know, and listen to this no matter what. Okay, I'm breaking up her bio now, but I don't care who you are. Do not hit stop because you need to learn how to communicate in a compelling way. If you want to influence, this is still going to impact you, even if you're not writing for your business. So let me go back. She specializes in writing personality pack copy that converts for women-run businesses. She started her business straight out of college at age 21 and made six figures in her first full year in business. She's the writer behind global companies, fast growth startups, world-famous bakeries, seven-figure coaches, and many creative entrepreneurs. She uses a client brand voice and zesty humor to help companies stand out online, create a fun brand presence, and scale mucho faster. Welcome to the show, Lucy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We were joking beforehand, like two career communicators about to have a conversation. I have to set a timer because otherwise we'll talk all day. So let me just go get in the way back machine because I know how I got started in writing, but let's just go back because I'm sure it's childhood. When did you decide, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at this whole writing thing? 
Yeah. So I've been writing my whole life. My mom always jokes. She's like, you had serial killer level notebook sheets of paper just strewn around your room when you were seven years old. I should have known you were going to be a writer. And then really like as I moved into college, I made it a little bit more legit, if you will. I was writing for a food magazine, trying like crazy diets and recipes and restaurants and writing about them. And those articles were getting 50,000 plus views. And that was really fun and exciting because for the first time I was like, wow, people are actually reading my stuff and it's not just existing in a journal. Um, so that kind of kickstarted the writing. And then when I got my degree in marketing, that's when I was like, wait, I love this business thing. And then that's kind of where writing married business and being a copywriter was born. Yes. I love it. Okay. So I think another thing that we share in common, you know, in, in our company or on the show, we always talk about failing forward. So it's like, take the risk, learn the lesson. If it doesn't work, that's not a punch in the face. That just means you have some more data that, okay, that didn't work. How can it work? How do we get there? So walk us through that because your journey has been, I mean, you've been fired, like you've had some, you've had some hiccups. Let's tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think a lot, I mean, obviously failures happen every day as an entrepreneur, but I think like a lot of my big things that stay on my heart happened before I went like all in on my business. So I, I never thought I was going to like go all in on a business after college. I thought I was going to have a first job for a couple of years, kind of walk that path. And I had a part-time job and I got fired from that job within 90 days, like an impressive amount of time. Um, and personally, I just saw a lot of like issues in the company. And I've always been told like, you know, if there's something, if you're a part of a company, you should like let the people know, you should make your opinions known, you should try and innovate and fix things, especially in a startup. So I essentially made my opinions known in a long report. I will say it was eight pages and a little bit much. Um, but what happened after is like a lot of people in the company, like got on a zoom call with me and were like, we're letting you go. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like my last two weeks. And they're like, no today. So that was my first job experience. And it didn't last very long because I had a lot of opinions because I want people to succeed. And I do that through a very like consulty personality. So it wasn't the right fit. Um, definitely a company that wanted to think the way they wanted to think and um, better for it. But yeah, when I had to come downstairs in the pandemic to my mom and sit on the living room couch and say, I got fired, she had to laugh with me. Oh, I love that she had to laugh with you. It wasn't like, and so we cried and baked cookies. You're like, we laughed. That was so how it should have happened. <laughs> She's like, you totally deserve that after that report. And the reason I tell that story is because I think a lot of firing, it's like, oh my gosh, like just this horrible, like, what did I do wrong? All these things. But I think getting fired actually was almost the catalyst I needed to be like, no, I'm, I'm meant to think my own way. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I'm not meant to be in a company that's going to say, think this way, do this procedure, just follow this thing that we're going to give you in a packet. It's just not who I am. And I think a lot of the audience is going to relate to that because as an entrepreneur, you know, you, even if you don't have a business quite yet, you can't take that entrepreneurial spirit out of you. Oh, no. In fact, it's funny because I've worked for companies for, or I've worked for the government before, girl, like you don't get any more crawl in the box than that. But in that particular context, so like, for example, Gaylord Hotels, 
very entrepreneurial before Marriott bought. And that's when I exited. Cause I was like, Oh, now it's a conglomerate. Like that's not for me anymore. If I can't be entrepreneurial, it's not a fit for me, but I carried them through to the very last conversion. And I was, you know, heck still consult. So no knock, just no longer a fit. And then like at the university of Georgia, I worked for the Terry college of business. Well, I spent every day, all day, interacting with alumni volunteers at the top business companies in in the world. So um, the expectation was that you think like a business professional, that you think like an entrepreneur. Um, And I had that autonomy there as well. So like in those instances, it worked, but there's no way in the world I could go work for a company that was like, here's exactly how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Report at the end of the week, like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) here's how you did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These are the top three things to fix for next week. Yeah. And then now it's, you know, I spend my entire day every day helping people with their employer brand. I mean, their personal brand and business brands as well, but key employer brand central is all about like, how do you get the employee to feel like they are valued so that they do want to contribute and you don't squash them and stick them in a box and put them on a shelf and then wonder why they're phoning it in 24 seven, like, come on. But we all get our ways. Okay. So you got fired and yes. then, and then you're like, okay, shoot. Um, I'm going to go get the meanest, most critical boss with the highest expectations out there. Me. Yeah. So that getting fired was definitely like the biggest like line in the sand. But even before that experience, after getting off of like group interviews and interviewing for corporate jobs, I was like asking for feedback of why I didn't get the role. And I I kept getting the same feedback. Like you have too strong of a personality for the role. It was just said in different ways. One person said it to me like overtly and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Uh Um, But a few other people just kind of hinted at it. So between that, and the firing. Yeah, I know I'm painting a really great picture. I promise I'm easy to work with. Um, so, and then well, after that. personality. Like, <laughs> but my philosophy is if I'm too much, go find less. There's billions yeah. in the world. There's one out oh, there. Oh, for sure. And especially in the work world, because I think we owe it to each other to have big ideas and make those big ideas known. So really any place that tells you to tone that down is a place you should just like run out of. Um, but essentially after getting fired, I was like, okay, this is my chance to, I'm in a pandemic. I'm literally living in my childhood bedroom and I'm with my parents and I might lose my mind if I don't have like a crazy project to take on right now. So I was like, I'm going to stop looking for jobs. I'm going to stop applying to things. And I'm just going to go all in on my copywriting business. And we're going to see what happens. And if I can make it, which in my mind was within six months, I can make a livable salary, then I'm going to keep doing this. And if I can't, then when the pandemic's over, which at that time I thought would be a matter of months, not years, Mm -hmm. um, then I'm going to go get a real job. So yeah, I was like, but I'm going to give myself this fighting chance, um, to make the entrepreneurship thing happen. And what happened is I matched proposed corporate salaries in a matter of 90 days. So 90 days seems to be my magic number. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I see your 90 day firing and I see replacing my salary. in 90 days. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. So let's just talk through that, that fear. So I want to acknowledge because there's some people are like, okay, well, that's great, but I have four kids. Like I've got a mortgage. I'm not living in my parents, you know, or my childhood bedroom. And so you had some grounding support, if you will. Totally. So you were able to be a little more aggressive in your attitude and approach, but that doesn't take the fear away because entrepreneurism is just one giant leap of faith every day. 
and the mind screwery that happens between your ears, you know, it's a little bit of a roller coaster sometimes. And so those of us who've been doing it a long time, we're like, yeah, that's just, that's the lifestyle, you know, but like when you first, like, yeah, I, I, please don't take this as offensive. You probably should never start a sentence that way, but like <laughs> you're a baby, like you're fresh out of college mm-hmm. and really ballsy actions here. So like what happened between your ears? Yeah, no, I always acknowledge that I had a cushion. Like my mom would not let me starve. Like she was putting dinner on the table. She was like, stay as long as you need, like follow your dreams. I mean, I feel so fortunate every day that I had that. And I think when it comes to fear, I was definitely afraid of failing. I was also afraid of like letting clients down. I think what I had a lot was like imposter syndrome. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like everyone has a first client and you like tell that client, you're like, Hey, you're my first client. And you know, everything feels so new in those like first few months where you're like, I don't even know how to use Canva. Wait, what is marketing my business? I guess I'll just make a Facebook page and everything is scrappy and weird. And you're wearing all of the hats and you're just overwhelmed and you're overworking and you don't have the money to hire anyone. So I think that really speaks to those first few months and how I was able to get over the fear is I'm like, Like no one cares. Like really no one cares if you fail. Like if you start a business, if you tell all your friends and then two years later or less, you like close down shop, your friends will be like, oh, okay. And then it's over. Like if they're good friends, they're not going to like put that on you for life. Like, oh, remember five years ago when you started a business and failed? Like if you have friends like that, like you need to leave those friends. friends. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it just comes down to this idea that like, I would way rather be the person who goes big and fails big than the person who just walks this like tiny little line through life, never having the courage to just try it. Yeah. I had that conversation with two different friends in the past 24 hours, like legit is just like, Hey, let's live really big today. Like, I don't care. I am, I am like, pack up my life, move to another state after 30 years. Like I'm, I am like, if, if you're not in harmony, like if you don't bring harmony to my life, you don't get to be in my life. Bye-bye next. All right. If you're not a good customer, for <laughs> me, then bye-bye. Like, it's just, life is so short. The only thing that we are all moving towards collectively race, creed, color, no matter what is death. It's mm-hmm. coming for all of us. So how are we going to live today? And like, you're doing that and you know that lesson so young, which is beautiful. And why, honestly, we wanted you on the show to like tell everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it is scary. And I mean, if you're someone who's terrified, if you have four kids, like it's one of those things where it's like acknowledge the fear and do things that will set you up for success. Like if you have four kids and you know, you need stability, there's no shame in keeping your full-time job. Even if it means you have to work on the weekends and evenings until you can get up to a certain salary where you're like, okay, I'm making $5,000 a month. I feel good. I think this is the time when I can leave. Like no one said you have to go like balls to the wall and burn your life down to start a business. Like do what works for you. Right. 100%. And, you know, and I'll say too, like I'm, I'm 10 years plus into this business. I've owned a celebrity event planning company before I've owned other companies, but you know, just quite honestly, I'm world-class at what I do. Like I have the awards to show it. And I know that. And yet I still worry about letting down my customers. I still don't sleep at night. Sometimes Gertrude sits right here and goes, I can't do that. Like it just never goes away. It doesn't matter how good you really are, how confident I'm confident. I'm very confident person. But that's not 100% all the time. So what are some of the things that you did, like the mind tricks or the self-talk or the journaling or 
what were like tactical things that you did to help you just keep moving things forward towards your goals? Yeah, I think journaling is huge. I mean, I'm a writer, so that's like my medium, but you can draw, you can, you know, use clay, whatever creative outlet you need, just to whatever gets out of your head into the world. Because the thing is when things are in your head, they can seem so much bigger than they are. It's ruminating thoughts, it's staying up all night. It's being like, I'm not good enough. And if you can actually like put those things on paper, you can read them back to you and you can counter them, whether you're counting them with thoughts or another page that like actually counters these things that you're writing down. And then another thing is your community. I can't stress how important it is to just be in the presence of people who think big, because the thing is there are a plethora of people who are going to say, oh, are you sure you can do that? Or like, maybe they are supportive, but they're going to have those comments that you're like, I don't know, like, can I do it? But you need to be in rooms where you are terrified because you are the smallest fish and people are doing insane things. So if you don't have that room in your friend group or in your family, you're going to need to go find it on Facebook or find it in a paid community. Um, And that's 100% it needs to be there. And then I would say the last thing is just whatever like pumps you up, like start your mindset off right. I know like some people like start the day, like reading the news or, you know, scrolling Instagram and stuff. And I would just like advise you against that because you're literally starting the day in someone else's energy and whatever comes onto the phone is going to enter you and, you know, comparisonitis and all that stuff and negativity can set in, like do those things, but just not as soon as you wake up, I would recommend like a podcast that inspires you or a nice book. And just like, take that time to really think like, what kind of day do I want to have today? Like at the end of the day, like what would make this day feel satisfying? And I think those are definitely the practices in a conglomerate that can help with those mindset things that you're going to have to develop. 100%. For those watching, you see me searching. I don't know where I set my phone down. I was going to play something, but I start my day. There's an app called the Fabulous app. And it's like the world that you go into. And it's all about like just really small steps that like move you towards big action. And it, it, you know, you can have like a morning story and then you mark that you like drink water first thing. That's like a big thing in the fabulous world. So you drink water and then you listen to your fabulous journey for the morning. And then, um, like I journal because like you, I'm a writer. And then like, I, I have some other things that I do. And then like, I have, my daughter sent me affirmation shower squares where every day you just like pull out a square and you like literally just put it on the shower. It sticks with the water. And it's like, whatever your affirmation is for the day I have on my watch, I have, I am app and I have the motivation app. And like every hour I'm getting some kind of positive message sent to my Apple watch that I just look down and like people think that we just magically show up and we can do all the things. And it's like, oh, I have a whole ecosystem. Of <laughs> yes. Like, right. So yeah. accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I run hard on the positive energy because life is hard. The world yeah. is hard. People suck sometimes. And so like, if that's, if you're just receiving all of that and you're not like building up your fortress of positive thinking and moving towards the person you want to become and the outcomes that you want for your life, I don't guess you're going to make it right. Yeah. No, there's something to be said. Like when you start a business, you realize that you have so much personal work to do on yourself that it's like a whole journey that you did not expect, but you welcome because you just turn into a different person. Yeah. I always warn people when they're like, I think I'm going to start a business. I'm like, yeah, you're about to roll in the number one personal development program on the planet. Are you ready for that? (laughs) Ready for your dark night of the soul yet? Because if you're not, I might just want to talk this through real quick. (laughs) 
<laughs> so <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the other thing I love about journaling is, um, and I have like volumes literally from the time I was 11 years old. So my daughter's always like, when you die, I can't like, she's read my childhood ones before, but like my kids know they've got a lot of stuff to read. I like being able to reflect like yeah. this was a dark season or this was a season where I really had to dig to figure out what it was that I was trying to even do. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm looking at it and I'm on the other side of it, I can see the roller coaster. I can see the highs and the lows. I can see the people who helped me. I can see the thoughts that helped me and the thoughts that tore me down. You can start seeing the patterns in your own behaviors and mm-hmm. thinking that evolved or maybe you're still like, how many times have you written girl? Like here I am again, going around this mountain. I guess I haven't learned my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Repeating those patterns again and again until usually it's like a coach. That's like, you need to stop doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or one of my friends that will just punch me in the throat, which I (laughs) kind of people I like being around. Yeah. Okay. So you've created this business. You've overcome all these mental blocks. You've really like decided to get big, even though you were younger and maybe there's other competition out there or whatever. You're just like, here I am. I know my value. I know I'm really, really great at this. And somebody needs to give me a chance once they did. You hooked yourself to that. You powered through, you kicked butt and took names. So what are you kicking butt and taking names at? I guess that's the next question. Because why are you so special as a copywriter? Aren't there like a bajillion? Can't we just put it into chat GPT? Yeah, I think I think my magic is honestly in my writing style. And that's why I've had the fortune of being able to work with, you know, tech startups and coaches and bakeries. And like, if people saw my clients, they'd be like, where's the pattern? And that's the point. It's, you know, every business can benefit from copy that's funny, relatable, punchy, concise. And I love writing in a really human centric way. So tapping into those like two real feelings that people don't usually talk about the negative ones and the positive ones, and just like going there with some snark, some sass, if it's appropriate and making it that when people read a website, they're like, wait, this company gets me. Like it's a conversation. And that is that human element that Of course, robots are going to take over the world. I know AI is increasing at like a rapid pace, but we are truly not there yet. There is something about a human touch, a human sense of humor that just makes us feel like this, these people get me. And that's the feeling that if your copy can convey it, it's gold for conversion. It's gold for sales, brand recognition, audience growth, all those things that sound lovely when we talk about them in a business context. Yeah. There's two really great examples. Um, One, if you go on Instagram and you follow um, TSA, yeah. Like the people who check your luggage (laughs) security, hilarious content. And it's so punny, but like overtly you can't help but laugh punny, not like dad joke punny. And then on Twitter, is it Taco Bell or KFC? Who is it that's super sassy? And they're like constantly like poking at other brands. Oh, shoot. Now I'm not going to be able to remember it. I'll have to look it up and I'll probably (laughs) put it in the show notes. But like when you look at the brands that have like these big personalities, they're winning. They're getting the attention. Yeah. So how do you how do you delineate that? Because you have your style as Lucy, but then you have to adopt the brand voice of the brand that you're working with. So how do you make that shift? Yeah, I usually just compartmentalize. Like I love writing for myself and I usually end every day writing for myself just to like get back into my voice before I go to bed. But at the end of the day, it's it really is all about the client. And if you hire a copywriter who like 
feels that way and knows what they're doing, they're not going to try and put their own style into your copy. I'm sure they're going to come with like their secret sauce. Like for example, if a really formal, like buttoned up company came to me tomorrow and was like, write about technical law, I'd be like, okay, this is going to be a steep mountain to climb, but I would do my best to do it. And I think it's more just that idea of yes, find a copywriter whose style you admire, but also realize that a strong copywriter is going to make a totally new style for you that dives exactly into the places you want to go in terms of your positioning and your brand. Because hiring a copywriter, you're not really hiring a writer. You are hiring someone who's doing your verbal marketing. And I think that's a really important mindset reshift to make. Yeah. Yes. 100%. So when you're talking about copywriting and really carrying through your brand voice and that brand personality and connecting with your ideal customers um, or ideal donors or ideal members or ideal candidates, heck, I just on my LinkedIn post today, I was doing like the do's and don'ts of writing a job ad. This is not a job description. It's not an HR function. This is an ad. Think like a marketer. I was like, you're talking to a human. So act like you're a human, not an entity. Like the language shouldn't be like all corporate and buttoned up. Like the language should be a conversation of like, what is it going to feel like to work with us? That's yeah. like, the the thought process. So job ads would be one. Where else can people weave this content through where that consistent personality shines through in the writing? I would say everywhere. I mean, that's why brand voice guides are so powerful because everything from a sales call to your website, to a sales page, to a job ad, it should all be like, oh, this is a, this company piece of writing. You know, even your emails, your SMS marketing, if you decide to go down that route, your social media content, like you really should, we've been talking about an ecosystem of positivity, but it really is an ecosystem of staying on brand. And I think often brands will know how to do that in a visual sense. Like we have our logo on everything. We have the same colors. We're consistent. But the problem is they have a social media manager and they have a copywriter and they have a salesperson. And these are all different people with their own styles. And if there's no like centralized, this is our brand voice, this is how we talk, then they're going to notice that, you know, customers are going to feel a little bit off and like sales aren't going to feel as easy and seamless and marketing, there's going to be resistance. Yeah. And as a business owner, if you're if you're not a writer, let's say you're more of a numbers person, you're more of an analytical person and you're just like, I just need somebody to do it. So now you're to your point. Now you're like getting onboarded by a social media manager. They're going to take you through their discovery process. Now you're working with a copywriter for your sales pages. They're going to take you through their discovery process. Now you're working with a website designer. They're going to take you through their discovery process. Now you're going to work with a Facebook ads manager. They're going to take you, do you see? And now you have four different versions of what your brand is being shared as like how it's being personified four different takes on it that is not brand consistency and so when i'm when i'm talking about like the brand voice and having that brand guide you don't illustrate a book and then write the story <laughs> you write the story then you illustrate the book so i don't give a hoot about your colors i don't care about your fonts i don't care about what emblem you used or if you used a word mark like i honestly don't care about any of that if i don't understand what all of that is trying to represent yeah, absolutely. And I think people always forget that a brand is so much more than colors or fonts or the words that you use again and again. You know, you're really cultivating an experience and that is a multifaceted approach. So it, it really, if you invest into your brand and you make sure it's crystal clear and the foundations are great and your ideal client loves what you're putting out, 
that is worth its weight in gold. That is worth so much more than throwing money into ads or anything else that you do to try and have rapid growth. The most rapid growth comes from an attractive brand. Hmm. And attractive. Let's just even talk about that from a dating perspective. (laughs) Like, are you, so a woman could be, you know, beautiful woman, but is a man going to be okay with that or vice versa or a woman and a woman, you know, doesn't matter. Y'all know I'm like completely open to whoever you like and love, even if it's everybody. So that being said, you're attracted to another human being physically, but then once you start talking to them and you're like, oof, (laughs) like, no personality or super egotistical, arrogant or whatever. It doesn't really matter what's on the outside because the inside isn't appealing. It's not attractive to you. But if you meet somebody who, you know, maybe they need to get a haircut and polish their shoes a little bit, maybe they're a little frumpy dressing, but they stimulate your mind and you feel amazing around them and they see who you are as a person because the experience of them is so amazing that's more powerful. And that's how relationships really form. So I just invite you bombshell to think about Lucy's words and think about it in that context of like, stop treating your marketing copy or your internal copy. Like it's a chore or like a checkbox that you do. This is your opportunity to cultivate relationships. Oh my gosh. No, it's even like take your analogy, like one step further when it comes to dating, I think like, yes, you can have that beautiful presence, all those things. And then let's say there is no substance. They might make a purchase. They might kind of like what you're about. They're definitely not going to stay. You're going to have a really hard time with customer retention and they're not going to tell their friends. So then you're going to be on this constant battle of yes, you're attracting people. You're getting the traffic, but you're not, there's no meat there. There's nothing to keep people be like, this brand gets me. And then on the flip side, the kind of like frumpy needs a haircut, whatever, like think, think about your type, think about who this person is in your mind's eye. They're going to have a really hard time getting the first date, but if they do score the first date, they're going to score the client or the customer. So set yourself up for success by being attractive enough to easily get the first date, but also make sure you have the substance there to keep the person. Yeah. So we were, we did a brand guide experience with a, um, a company and we were, you know, they already had their external branding. They had their logo and their colors, too many colors. And then, um, and, but that's not what I was there for. I was really more there for their brand messaging, the voice and for the employer side of things. They're looking to scale. They're going to be, we work with a lot of fast growing companies. And so I got all the words together and then I was like, all right we're done with our stuff. Um, but you're not going to get to where you're going with that logo. And they were like, Oh, well, we just got it done. Like three months ago. I was like, "Eh, I know, but he's really done again. That's not where you're going to be two years from now. Like that, that is not representative of who you want to attract and the, you know, potential investors and things like that. That is a, that is a clip art image with a word mark next to it. There's no cohesiveness to it. It doesn't inspire me. It doesn't represent all these beautiful words that we just put into your brand guide. It just kind of looks like, you know, honestly, a nine-year-old could have done that. And it, and I don't mean that in an ugly way. It's just that nowadays, a nine-year-old really could do that. So like, let's, let's make this be what, what it is. And to your point, are we really going to recruit people to our company and not another if we look like we have a clip art logo? Like, is that the company that a top performer is going to want to come work for? No. So I don't want to dis. I don't want to like say that the external or the visual isn't important. It's just not important until you understand what it's representing. 
For sure. And that's why I always tell people get a brand strategy. Don't just get a logo. I think, you know, we see the Nike swoosh and we're like, I need a logo, but there is so much behind that swoosh. There are countless professional athletes. They really create this feeling of just go for it. And that is in the brand strategy and the visuals just support that overall strategy. That is the substance. Yeah. 100%. So, um, I want to ask you one more question before I ask the final question. But the the first question I have is like, what are like three practical ways that a female business owner or really anybody, but we're focusing, that's your, that's your niche and the niche of this podcast, a woman business owner, what like three tips can you give her to start improving her brand voice and make that connection with her personality? So the first thing I would say is before you can create your own brand voice, you have to recognize brand voices. So I would say go out into the world, think about all the different skincare products, athletic clothing products you buy, you know, even home insurance, like whatever you're buying and think about who you purchase from and go read their website and then associate adjectives with that brand and how they sound. Try Do your best to just like blinders on to the visuals and think and read their copy and think, oh, they're funny or wow, I felt really safe. Their tone is really reliable. So think about those adjectives because if you can recognize brand voices, then it's going to be so much easier to create your own. And then the brand voice always starts the ideal client. So my next tip would be know your ideal client in and out. Like even those demographics, like they eat cheese in front of like bridesmaids at 9 p.m. at night with crackers. And then they talk to their husband about their day. Things that seem like so in in, like they just don't seem important, they are because that's how you're going to know how your ideal client wants to be spoken to based on what they value. It really is that human piece. And then the last tip would be like actually creating the brand voice. And um, the main thing to do is to just like choose your adjectives, but more importantly, think about how is your brand going to be implementing those adjectives? So is there going to be words that are off limits? Are there going to be jokes you consistently make? Are there going to be ways that you describe things that are very central to your brand? And that that is a very like nuanced process. So I'll talk about this at the end of the episode, but you might want to invest in like a brand voice template just to guide you through all of these questions. And I do offer one um, because the thing is like when it comes down to knowing like your ideal client, how you describe your offers, words you use, words you don't use, grammar rules that only your company has. That's when a document's really helpful to kind of define it, centralize it, and also distribute it to your company. Yeah. To your company, to your vendors, to any brand. That's the whole point of a guide is so that everybody can be on the same page. (laughs) And then you can hold people accountable to it. Like it's, when we work with people, they want to like jump ahead. And I'm like, we're not done with the brand guide yet. Like we don't have the Bible. So we don't get to move forward because we don't have anything to evaluate. Is this accurate or not? Like, is this in alignment or not? So I love that. Okay. So um, before we talk about like, you've got an awesome quiz, you've got some other things that you offer. I want to make sure that we cover all of that. But before we go there, what is a final piece of advice that you would offer a bombshell, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business? My number one piece of advice would be to really check in with yourself as you're running your business every night to think, 
am I losing my boldness? Am I losing my edge? And think about all the things you did that day, every Instagram post you posted, every sales call you got on and think, did I fully show up as me or was I nervous or did I tuck away a part of me? And how can I make it so I show up more as myself tomorrow? And the reason why I say it like that instead of just like be authentic or be yourself is because that's so abstract. And it's like, what does that mean? What it means is you look at the little micro actions and you think, where was I like right on the money? Like, wow, I was like laughing laughing with this woman, being my whole self. We were meeting for coffee versus like, wow, I was really scared to post that Instagram post. So I toned down that caption hardcore and the post flopped. So it's like things like that. And just take like, almost like you're doing an audit at the end of the day of like, where am I being my full self? And where am I afraid of being my full self and toning it down? And that, especially for a bombshell businesswoman, is so important because we're told all day, every day in so many different circumstances to tone it down. You're too much or Ooh, you're a lot or, you know, maybe if you said it this way and it's like, well, Bob just said it that exact same way. And it's fine for Bob to say it. So I'm confused as to why Amber can't say it that way. So <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, okay. So we can find you at myrighthandwoman.com and right is like writing W-R-I-T-E. Yep. And then you have a brand voice quiz. Yes. Where do we find Mm -hmm. it? So that's easy. It's findmybrandvoice.com. So anyone listening, if you want to just head over there and take it, it's free. It's fun. Very buzzfeedy. And at the end, you're going to learn not only what your brand voice is, but how you can also write in it. Um, So that's really powerful because a brand voice is only as potent as how much you use it. Oh, oh, so good. Okay. And then you're on Instagram. I saw Yes but I'll, I'll follow you because I like the book, <laughs> but clearly suck at posting. Come over on LinkedIn and we'll be, we'll be swimming. Um, okay. And then like, what are you just super excited about right now? What are you working on or what our listeners, they, they get attached to our guests. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I want to do business with her. So what is it that you can offer? Just kind of give us a rundown of like, if somebody wanted to come work with you right now, what would that be? What would that look like? Yeah. So it really depends on the kind of support you want. So if you are just intrigued by what I have to say, you want to write your own copy in a way that's more authentic with who you are. I highly recommend checking out my template shop on my website. The number one bestseller is definitely the brand voice template because that's the foundational template that helps you define your brand voice. And then you can, you know, upgrade to the web copy sales copy template. If you need something specific, it's there for you. But I know there's probably people listening who are like, yeah, I totally don't want to write this myself. For me, girl. Yeah. So if that's the case, I offer two different ways to work with me. The first is VIP writing days where we can write your website or your sales funnel in a day. Um, and if you're more of a corporation and you, you want something a little bit more traditional with deliverables, I do do a few custom projects each year so we can make that happen. Um, and then I also offer a membership where if you want me on your team, essentially you can join the membership and then, um, you get access to a secret menu of copy deliverables that you can order whenever you want and you get them within three days. So you really have like a copywriter on your team. And that's been really helpful for people who have a lot of copy to write and want to write none of it. Um, (laughs) and I'm trying to think. So the last thing is I recently started my own content agency, Volcanic Content. So I now offer blog posts and nurture emails on a monthly recurring basis for clients that want really explosive, awesome, bold content on top of just copy. I love it. So, and I also love it. So if we could just, these are her offerings. And so obviously if, if you're in the market for needing copywriting or to learn, there are your options. I want to take a step back now and like just look down curiously at her as a business person and just point out that she's given you lots of points of entry. 
She hasn't changed what it is. She's not stretching herself into 9,000 different directions. She's offering a core product, but done in different ways so that she can meet you where you are. And that is the understanding of knowing who your ideal customer is and knowing what they need and how they need it. Because if you're somebody who's just starting out, the membership might be good for you. But if you're somebody who's been, you know, 10 years and you're like, where do I write the check? Just make it happen. That That's an option too. So I think that's awesome that you're positioned that way. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm very team scalable offer suite. So I, I think like, yes, custom's great in rare scenarios, but usually 90% of your clients want the same thing. And if you can know what the 90% wants, you can create the perfect package for them and then just, just go and serve them. Yeah. I love it. Love, love, love it. All right. Well, um, I can see why Amy, um, for those of you who are listening who are, are going to pitch me, you're, I know you're going to email me and somebody on my team is going to send you this autoresponder and then you're going to fill out a form. And then guess what happens? Amy <laughs> listens to everybody, scrubs everybody, and then goes, here's who you're going to interview, Amber. I have nothing to do with the process unless it's a friend of mine that I'm like, hey, Amy, can we set them up or whatever? Um, we were super excited about Lucy when we were talking in our team meeting. And um, and I can see why you are a gem and bold. Thank you so much to offer people. And the fact that you get it already is like, I don't even know what to do when you turn 40. Like (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be like, she's going to have an international billion dollar business. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks so much. It was so fun talking to all of you. Absolutely. Well, bombshell, you know what to do first, go check out myrighthandwoman.com. Go see what Lucy has to offer. Show her some love on social media, connect with her on LinkedIn. If she's on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, if you haven't rated and reviewed the show, I promise once I get a little more settled, I'm going to get back to reading those on, um, on the air because I do so appreciate them. It just, it's that social proof where, you know, when you're looking for different podcasts, it's like, oh, is somebody going to labor on and like, blah, 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 about how great they are. They're going to just tell you what you need to do to like be more successful. Like that's what we want our listeners to understand that we're busy women. We got a lot going on. And if you're committing 30 minutes of your life to this, then you better get something out of it. So those reviews help other women know that that's legit. Um, And if you're on YouTube watching this right now, if you're one of the seven people who watch us on YouTube, (laughs) then make sure you like it, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. And most importantly, share this with somebody who needs it. That's, that's really the biggest thing. We don't put the effort into this and not do ads and all that kind of stuff because we're just waiting for it to sit. We want to actually help people. So if you know that Lucy can help somebody and what Lucy shared on the show today can help somebody, then send it to that somebody. If you know a woman entrepreneur, send this episode to her, even if you don't even know she needs copywriting, because guess what? She does. So um, I just appreciate your listenership. I appreciate your loyalty. I appreciate you um, moving along my crazy, hectic life with me and and showing me the grace when I can't show up every single week. And um, with that said, we are doing some more interviews. So get excited and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit AmberHurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.